Hawks, Hawks live every Thursday from seven to nine, live at Snoqualmie Casino. Now here's your host, Dave Wyman. Hey, welcome to Hawks Live. We're here at Snoqualmie Casino. We got a packed house. Let's hear it. Eight and two Seahawks. Uh, I think they're all here for Paul Moyer, though. Definitely. Lots I, of support I, for I, Paul. I can't disagree with that. But not <laughs> I'm eight, the one who two. has a jersey out in the crowd. Yes. From the mother of our board up. I, I think they, they, got Emma. It, they got it backwards. Emma has it's supposed to be 29 jersey. Thomas. Oh, maybe that's it. No, right. it Michael Bumpus is here also. Mike, how you doing? I'm all right, man. I'm uh, riding you guys' coattail right now, you know. <laughs> Thanks <laughs> for having me, By guys. By the way, sorry, you got well, some time now. I, I think sorry about that. Uh, you know, it, it happens every year. We had fun because we went to his playoff game and yeah. had a he got us uh, some really nice seats on Side the sideline. Passes, yeah. And uh, that was fun was, to watch. And then, and then coach, we come man. back to Snoqualmie where the team that beat us resides pretty much. You pretty yeah. much. Oh, yeah. Mount Si. Sorry about that, man. <laughs> but, hey, the Seahawks are 8-2, and two, man. And yeah. uh, we haven't had a chance to talk about this. But, uh, by the way, tonight we're going to talk to the professor, of course. Uh, in the next segment, about 7.15, we're going to talk to Dave Spadaro from PhiladelphiaEagles.com. He's kind of their John Boyle, basically. On the phone, we're going to talk to Trey Flowers. Later on, Shaquem Griffin is going to play a video game of some sort with Taylor Jacobs, and they'll talk. But uh, I mentioned the professor, Clayton. But mostly, let's recap that game, man. I, the more I, I go over that game against San Francisco, the more exciting it becomes for me, I guess. Uh, and, and start off with the running game. And the Seahawks this year, their run game, they faced five, or I'm sorry, three top five rush defenses. And they've averaged 140 yards against those teams. Now you're going into Philadelphia. They have the number four rush defense. And their most impressive performance was Tampa Bay because they put up 145 on that run defense, and they were only giving up 68 yards. So I feel like the offense is set. And I feel like we could be kind of in the middle of the story with the run game. Because remember, they started off kind of slow last year. And then they built, and they were 160 yards per game and number one by the end of the year. I think they're, they're starting to hit their stride. They're, they're going up. When they go up against these tough opponents, it, it tends to bring out the best in them. And so you have that as, as far as the run game goes. And then you got Russ who just all he does is win games. I feel like the offense is pretty set so far. Yeah, I like where the offense <clears throat> excuse me, is right now. I know I see that, you know, I think the thing that saves the run game is one, these guys are tough up front, and two, Carson does not go down easily. I think I saw a stat to where he's about third or fourth um, uh, yards after contact. Mm-hmm. He just runs hard. He runs downhill. And also what helps the run game is the threat of Russell Wilson. You know, he, they can't just pin their ears back and get after Russell Wilson and, the, and these receivers because they've proven that, one, they can they know how to play against the zone. They can get off the press. Worst case, Russell Wilson's going to scramble. is going to be Houdini back there and play backyard football. And if there was ever an example of backyard football, it's the Seattle Seahawks. I mean, a lot of these plays are designed to do one thing and half of them do something else because Russell Wilson is able to buy time. And then he's throwing the football and he's putting it in places that only his receivers can get. Um, you had Russell Wilson with a strong run game and, and keeping the O-line healthy for the most part. There's been some injuries there, um, but they're starting to get some continuity halfway through the season. I think they figured out who they are. Before I uh, get to you, Paul, that I thought you mentioned Chris Carson. I thought uh, sort of the picture of what that game was about, the, the play where Chris Carson 
twists and turns and tries to keep his body off the ground. I thought that was a touchdown, actually. Uh, next play, he walks in, basically. But just uh, that kind of effort and that kind of, I don't know, urgency, it was just that it sort of set the tone. Like, it, it kind of indicated what that team did that night. I mean, it was just, like, scratch for every last inch. And I just I love what I'm seeing out of Carson. But are you as comfortable with the offense as as we are, Paul? Yeah, I, you know, what's interesting about the Seahawks is there's 31 teams where my my brain would be right over my heart. The, the Seahawks are the one that it's not. Because going into that game last, feels like a, a month ago, the last game we played against them, my brain said, I don't know how we're going to beat these guys. The San Francisco, their defense is so good, and they still are good, um, even offensively. I, th- their running game was complex. What they were doing in the passing game, we were going to have to change our defense and challenge our short running game or their short passing game. And I just go, wow, th- this is a lot to ask in one week. So my brain said, I don't know how we beat them. My heart said, I think we're going to beat them 31-17. My brain said, 31-17 San Francisco. I went with my brain. Uh, and, I, and I really think the Seahawks, you can't do that. They, they just find ways to win. And, and offensively, if you go and look at both of the, the statistics, we, we beat San Francisco. We outperformed them, I guess, what, against their defense, what they were giving up. And we, we shut their, their, their offense down, what they were actually producing. Yeah. That's a good sign. And if we hadn't had some of the crazy penalties, and I don't want to get into the referees. It makes us part of life. It really didn't feel, as you guys know, Bumpus, you, were, you heard me screaming and I was hoarse. Didn't feel like we were getting a lot of the calls going our way. And if we had of... I think we could have ran away with that game. I truly believe we're a better football team than they are. Yeah. So I feel comfortable. I, I, you can't take our running game away. You can't take our passing game away. We will flip it. We can do whatever we want. We will eventually run it. It may not be early. We will eventually throw it. It may not be early. We will dictate that on what you want to do with us. So and I and look, if you're not excited about what the defense, is, yeah, are well, you kidding me? Now let's get to the defense because to me that was the story of that game. And you know, I said I thought maybe the running game is in uh, the middle of the story. I feel like this is the beginning of the story for the defense. Uh, that was the I don't know if that stood out to you guys. The way they played together, the hits uh, from McDougal and and Diggs. Diggs Andre yeah. Diggs brought a lot of juice to that defense, and then it looked like the defensive line just decided, man, we're going to win. This piece of turf. I did a thing on 710sports.com talking about phone booth tough. You know, and uh, I had to actually flash a picture of a phone booth because a lot of the young people don't know what a phone booth is. But it's like a four-by-four, you know, uh, square where it's like Chuck Knox used to say, two guys go in, one guy comes out. And I felt like they they won that battle. Um, And so, yeah, the defense and, and really the guy that spurred the whole thing on in my mind, and I'm sure you guys agree, Jadavian Clowney. Let me ask you this. If in the beginning of the season, I would have said by week 11, Jadavian Clowney will have three sacks. Would you think that would be a good trade? Probably no, not. Not off that, Probably not not off that statistic. Yeah. No. But if you start looking at, you know, the countless tackles that he's made, uh, I think I have him up to he's been held four times that were called anyway. And then, you know, he's got. Just three sacks, like I said, but he's got three forced fumbles, two fumble recovers, three passes knocked down, 12 quarterback hits, oh, and also two touchdowns that he's scored. I mean, the guy is all over the place. I think he might be a better run player than he is uh, as far as a pass rusher, 
but he's just part of it. But still, I thought he was a spark. I thought Quandre Diggs played really well. Big and spark. then the thing that stood out to me was that they played together for the first time. It was almost like the staff of the Seattle Seahawks was holding the defense back, like, not yet, guys. Let's not get after <laughs> him yet. Just, just keep doing your job. Just be disciplined. Learn this scheme. And eventually, we're going to put in some things that will allow you to flourish and, and be vicious and be the team that we want you to be. And then I think Clowney just rose to the challenge. It was Monday Night Football. You know, they brought you over here from Houston. Uh, you're gonna, you're supposed to be the guy to ignite the fire on this defensive line. And when the lights shine bright, you see who's going to come out, who's going to play ball. Some guys kind of shy away from the light. And I feel like Clowney just stepped up. And then you throw a Condre uh, Diggs in the, back, uh, in the backfield. And that's what that backfield was missing, a guy who's going to come downhill, who's going to be the spark back there. So you have a spark on the back end. You have a spark on the D-line. And then you have the most solid linebacker crew in all the land. It all came together at the right time. I think, one, the coaches had to put in a scheme that's going to allow this defense to really get after it and then put some parts in there get a uh, get a digs in there um, um, allow your corners to come up and press so um, it was beautiful to watch and it's encouraging going forward because now they show they can play a different brand of football you know bump you were the one who said i think they got something for him i think they've been holding something back and That's whether right. yep. he felt that in pete carroll's interview and um you know not that you, you divulged anything but you felt like it was going to be something different See, I think Clowney's been doing this all year. And you're right, Dave. He's a fantastic run player. But he's a great pass rusher, too. You have to, at times, you've got to allow your guys to get there. And we, we played soft, soft, soft zone. This time we didn't. We contested the short throw. It's the first time really this year that we were consistently contesting that. that now, if you watch that game, you know, Jimmy G, he – Lots. He had to pump fake you know, or pull, pull down the pass. He was looking around. He didn't know where to go. Now he's looking in the pocket. Where do I step? It was collapsing. And you've got Clowney hustling and, and, and keep working on the edges. It, it takes more than just a great pass rush. It takes more than just great pass coverage. It takes both to be, you know, to get sacks and, and interceptions along the way. That was the first time this year where I said, we're contesting, we're contesting their routes, and we're allowing our, our defensive line finally to get pressure on the quarterback, which will turn into sacks. I think San Francisco's been exposed. I really do. I think they're going to lose more games the rest of the year than win. How's that? Even though I still think they're a really good football team. Oh, and they got, a, they got a tough schedule. They got Green they Bay at home, but they they're Baltimore. going to Baltimore, and they're going to New Orleans. They, and they got, and they got the Seahawks. They at, come here at the end of the yep. year? Ooh. Yeah, no question. Yeah. So, well, well, we'll continue to talk about how excited we are about the defense. But yeah. Coming up next, we're going to get an opponent preview. We'll dive into the Seahawks' Week 12 opponent. We'll talk to Dave Spadaro from Eagles.com. That's next right here on Hawks Live. Welcome back to Hawks Live. Paul Moyer, Michael Bumpus. We're here live at the Snoqualmie Casino. And right now we're going to get from uh, PhiladelphiaEagles.com an opponent preview from Dave Spadaro. Dave, thanks for staying up late, man. Appreciate it. Hey, my, my pleasure, guys. How are you doing tonight? We're doing great. And, uh, you know, just trying to figure out this Philadelphia Eagle team. Maybe you, you are, too. They're 5-5. Five and five. And uh, what, what do you think has been the biggest reason for the up-and-down season this year? Well, I think the biggest reason is injuries. They've been devastated by injuries. And I know that nobody ever likes to use that as an excuse, as an excuse and valid. But when you lose to Sean Jackson, Alshon Jeffrey, Jordan Howard, you know, those are three of your top, really maybe your three top playmakers. They've been battling along the offensive line. They've got more injuries this week. The defense has had secondary injuries all year. The defensive tackles have been decimated. 
So uh, it's been it's been really difficult to uh, field the roster that the Eagles put together, and consequently win the games that have been there for the taking. I'll tell you what, David, I mean, you look at the injury list and, you know, everybody thinks they get a raw deal as far as the injuries, bad breaks and everything. But, boy, you look at Philly, like you mentioned, all of those names. Any, um, maybe any surprises for this weekend, guys, that that may be able to play that are either questionable or doubtful? Well, I, I I don't know. I think Nigel Bradham, their linebacker, middle linebacker, will come back and play. He's practiced all week. But we get the, the, the theme of the season has been to get one guy back and you have two more question marks. Lane Johnson, the all-pro right tackle, is still in concussion protocol. Jordan Howard, still not practicing, uh, not cleared for contact, the running back. Nelson Aguilar, uh, hurt his knee late in the game against New England, hasn't practiced. Uh, so, I mean, you know, Jason Peters now, the left tackle, added to the list with limited practice today. So, I don't think there's any... <laughs> You know, Alshon Jeffrey's probably not going to play. He's not practicing. Deshaun Jackson is on IR. Um, no, I don't think there's going to be any real surprises of anybody coming back to save the day for a football team that's just been up and down and up and down all year. Hey, Dave, um, I took a look at this New England game you guys played last week, and I'm looking at the secondary. They're getting healthy. They're flying around. They're playing good football right now. Fletcher Cox is getting healthy. Do you feel like this defense is on the verge of having a big game? No, I don't. I don't uh, feel that way because I think that this matchup is a very difficult one. I mean, the Seahawks are loaded, and Russell Wilson has been great against the Eagles. And yeah, the Eagles played well last week, but I mean, I just don't think the Patriots' offense is in the category of Seattle's. And prior to that, it was the Chicago Bears and their offense struggles. And prior to that, it was the, the uh, Buffalo Bills in really windy conditions and their offense struggles. So I will say this, the Eagles have gotten better on defense. They've gotten players back at cornerback specifically. Uh, but until they do it against a really quality, quality offense, and that's what Seattle is, uh, it's hard to say that they've kind of arrived or that they're ready to crank it up for the stretch. I think it'll be a great matchup, though. I think the Eagles are good up front. I think they're better in the secondary than they've been. It's just a matter of how you deal with Russell Wilson. You know, we're, we're here at Snoqualmie Casino. Thousands of fans here watching our, and listening to our show. All right, um, so there's like a couple dozen. but no, yeah, it's Dave, there's thousands of people Theater of the here. mind, Paul. But okay, it, what's, what's interesting is they, they think, oh, Philadelphia is 5-5. Five and five. You know, this, this would be an easy win. But then I, I'm looking at your schedule. I mean, you've got the Giants twice. You've got uh, the Redskins. You've got Miami. You've got Dallas at home. And a lot of times it is who you play. This is a huge game. I, I, my guess, though, still is Philadelphia feels they're absolutely in the playoff hunt. Yeah, but, but they've got four losses in the conference. So, I mean, look, Sunday is huge. It is urgent. The Eagles win this game, and they get to 6-5. and five. And you feel really good about their chances down the stretch. You lose the game, and you're, you know, at least a game behind the Cowboys. So, I mean, it's a, it's a, a pivotal, pivotal game. I, I just think the Eagles, they really haven't played that, that that full, great ninety, you know, sixty minute game where they've just gone coast to coast and played really well. Green Bay, a pretty good game earlier in the year, did a nice job against, uh, you know, matching Aaron Rodgers. But I just again, I just I, I really respect the quality of Seattle. Uh, they are coming off a bye week. 
the West Coast to East Coast thing is is, is not even an issue. I mean, the, the, I think it's 14, the Seahawks are fourteen and six. Uh, they're three and zero at Lincoln Financial Field. Uh, the only thing I can't figure out is you look up, and I don't play any odds or pay attention to it, but I don't. I just can't figure out how the Eagles are favored in this game. So I don't know what that means, but uh, certainly it is a must-have game for the Philadelphia Eagles. It is kind of strange. I mean, Seahawks, though, this would be their sixth road win, and it's always tough. You know, although they've, they've handled uh, the East Coast trips uh, pretty well. We're talking to Dave Spadaro from uh, PhiladelphiaEagles.com. And, Dave, tell us about uh, a little bit more about Carson Wentz, what kind of player he has been and, and just what kind of guy. Uh, how, how are people in Philadelphia accepting him? Yeah, a tenacious competitor. You know, he's going through that. He led 2017 MVP candidate, 33 touchdowns, had the injury, the knee injury, came back last year. It was okay. 21 touchdowns, seven interceptions before he got hurt. Uh, this year, the numbers are okay. Um, he just hasn't really gotten back to that level prior to the injuries. And so I think fans are kind of waiting for that. Um, he holds the ball a bit, tries to make plays, very versatile. He is extremely uh, athletic, big, strong. I mean, you guys saw him a couple of years ago. You saw him in 2017 in Seattle, and he, he never gives up on a play. He's very physical, very smart, um, but, but it is just so hard to have success when the pieces around you aren't what you thought they would be. Eagles thought they would have this really multiple, hard-to-match-up-against offense, mixing matching personnel packages, spread the ball around, pick your poison. That hasn't been the case. Hey, Dave, I went to Washington State University, so I have to ask about my guy, Andre Dillard. How confident, how confident is this coaching staff in him if he is called upon to play? Yeah, I think, I think pretty confident. He's done a nice job when he's played a left tackle. He's extremely athletic, great feet, good technique, works at it, smart. He's had, if he's had any problems, it's been with the bull rush. And he really hasn't done much at right tackle. So there's a thought that if Lane Johnson doesn't come back, that Andre would play right tackle. Then Jason Peters shows up on the injury list, and we don't know what his status is. So, uh, you know, Jadavian Clowney with that power move, uh, I would think you'd see it all day against Andre. But his future is very bright. Uh, He's played well. And there's a reason the Eagles traded up to get him. They feel like they have a, a, a good left tackle for many, many years to come. All right, Dave. Well, we really appreciate the preview and uh, hope to see you out there in Philadelphia. Thanks so much. Talk to you soon. All right, guys. Have a great night. Thanks so much. There he goes, Dave Spadaro from Eagles.com. Coming up next, um, Dave didn't seem super confident about his team. Did you guys notice that? <laughs> Anybody notice it? Like, do you expect him? I, I, no, I, I don't I, expect I him, him to win. So, I, I threw him a bit of a softball. It wasn't yeah. even a softball because their schedule is so easy. Yeah. I mean, they, they should win four yeah. or five games just with their, their – they're playing their Miami. They play the Redskins, yeah. the Giants. So that's four wins. They got Dallas right. at home. They got the Seahawks at home. Right. And they played well at home. I'm like – They're five and five. He just sounds beat up. You know, it's, yeah, it's, been, it's been a tough season. <laughs> well, you know what he sounds like? He sounds like a cougar. Come on. Oh, come on, oh, oh. Come on. No, I'm teasing. Not really. <laughs> I, I was going to say Philadelphia fans, they'll let you have it. Did you guys see the clip of the guy who was talking about how they were throwing babies 
out of the burning building. And the guy's describing it and everything. And he says, yeah, nobody dropped him, unlike Aguilar. Yeah. <laughs> he looks in the, in the news. So, I mean, they're tough fans yes. out there. Yeah. They're, they're critical. They, and they're, they're, that, <laughs> that they can funny. be tough. All right, coming up next on Hawks Live, we're going to talk to Trey Flowers, one of my favorite old school guys, even though he's a young guy. That's next. We're here at the Snoqualmie Casino. Michael Bumpus, Paul Moyer, Dave Wyman. And next, we'll talk to Trey Flowers. Hawks live every Thursday from 7 to 9 live at Snoqualmie Casino on 710 ESPN Seattle. Hey, it's Hawks Live. We're up here at the Snoqualmie Casino. We've got a great crowd here. And we've got one of our favorite players on the line, Trey Flowers. Trey, thanks for joining us, man. Uh, no problem. Thanks for having me. All right, what's more exciting this season, getting your first pick as an NFL player or your first sack? I gotta believe it's interception for you, right? Yes, I do with the interception. It was highly anticipated. <laughs> I really wanted an interception so bad. Yeah. Okay. Well, yeah, I figured that was the case. But man, that was a that was a nice blitz that you ran off the edge there. And uh, have you been sent before? Is that something that uh, that that kind of gets your your juices flowing when you hear you're going to get a chance to blitz? Uh, definitely. You know, just knowing that coach on call something that sends me off the edge and lets me be aggressive is, is a good thing. I did play a little safety in college so I could tackle, and it was fun. It kind of take us through your interception, too. That was We were just talking about that in, uh, in Cleveland, and uh, just kind of describe it. It looked like it was like a pick play maybe, and the guy didn't make it through, and then you end up stepping up. How, how did that go? Uh, um, oh my God, it was, I RPO, I feel like. Uh, Baker just picked it up and wanted to throw it. It was to be kind of collided with Kendrick's man. Anybody? Did we lose? Oh, would you, we still got you? You, you still Hello. there, Trey? Oh, okay, we just lost you there for a second. Yeah. Oh, I'm hey. sorry. Yeah. Let me try hey. to see if I can get something. Okay. Hey, uh, Trey, tell us about how that felt. Uh, we were talking about how the defense just seemed different. It seemed like you guys were playing together. Uh, it was by far your best performance. Uh, did you guys have, like, some extra juice? What was it about that Monday night game that uh, that you think allowed you guys to play such a great game? Um, I think it just came with executing the game plan. I think we uh, we felt good about it. Everybody was all, all in, bought in, and yeah, well, it was a big game. I think everybody just wanted to play in it. Of course, you're happy, excited by both teams. It was just, it was just a really good game. <laughs> it was a real good game for, for us because we won, for sure. I hear some kids in the background. They Are they, they having fun right now? Uh, yeah, definitely. It's my daughter. <laughs> I'm cutting away from movie time. Wait, uh, did, what did she dress up as for uh, for Halloween? Did you take her trick-or-treating? Yeah, she was uh, she was a doctor. <laughs> we went to about we went to a few houses. It was kind of cold, but yeah, she was a doctor. <laughs> I can't remember the doctor's name that she is. I'm so sorry, but she, I know it's one of the shows. I'm mad I don't know it right now. <laughs> Trey, I I played safety, and and uh, they went, with injuries, I had to play a little corner in the NFL, and I I, I didn't do it very well at, at all. <laughs> But you, you again. You were you were safety in in college. You made the transition. You know, two years now. You know, how comfortable are you, are you with that? Do do you ever want to go back to safety, or is corner the position for you in your future? I'm definitely. Uh, I just label myself a defensive back. 
I, I like to label myself as a defensive back. Knowing that I can play corner is definitely good. Knowing that I can play safety is definitely good. I just want to play football as long as I can. So, however, I'm going to help this defense, I'm going to be good. I think for now, a corner, and that's where I'm happy at. Well, I think we're pretty happy with it. And, by the way, you got just a, <laughs> a horrible call on that one third down play that you guys would have been off the field in that first drive against the 49ers. How frustrating is that for you? I mean, it, it, it's such a subjective call now, pass interference. But, you know, how do you try to stay in it mentally? Because I know you didn't think that was pass interference on that one call. Um, <laughs> definitely. You know, it was, I mean, it's just the NFL that we play in today. I just got to find a way to get my hands a little lower, take them off a little sooner. So they can't make that call. We got to get off the field on third down. It was a critical down, a very bad penalty. Very bad call, but I hear you. <laughs> hey, Trey, you never, you never sure. really seem to to overreact to those bad calls. Like your demeanor, you're pro- you're even killed most of the game. Is that something that's always been a part of you, or something that you've learned as you gotten older? Definitely learned as I got older. Um, when I was younger, it was <laughs> I probably would have. You you I have bad body language or something. I show it out one people, but now it's just it's just I can't change it. And they're not gonna change it, so I just go to the next play and try to make another play. It, you know, Trey, when I see you around, I mean, you're very laid back, dude. But uh, what <laughs> what do you do to get yourself fired up? I mean, everybody does it differently. Are you pretty calm on game day, or or do you get fired up? What what do you do? Do you listen to music? What to get in in uh, game mode? I'm I'm pretty much the same. I I don't really like being. Well, nah, I don't like being. I'm not really a guy that you're gonna see scream or anything a lot. But I just love playing football. <laughs> That's what gets me going. I know I can play football still, so. I'm gonna give it all I got. What is uh, what is Quandre Diggs brought to the table, man? It looked like uh, one. It just you guys look really calm, and I, I don't want to put too much on that him starting. But you guys played so well in the secondary last week. But but what has he brought to the table, and how do you guys m- meld that quick with him coming in just a few weeks ago? It's definitely. I mean, we brought in another vet. It's another another thing of experience for the room. So him talking through ball and we kind of just, you know, vibe and hit it off because he plays DB. We feel like we're all the same. And it's, and he's from Texas. So I, I kind of, um, I knew him a little bit before we played on each other's team. So I met him at a football camp. Yeah. He's a real cool guy there. And it was just still building now. Yeah, it just seems like communication was a lot better. And we got a chance to talk to him. It was the first time uh, I had talked to him. And he just seems like a great communicator. And that's that's really important back there, right? I mean, if you have a vet back there, he's getting everybody lined up. I mean, that's got to make a huge difference. Yeah, definitely. I mean, it's just, yeah, I mean, it just comes with everybody knowing their stuff. And then we can all communicate a little better. Everybody being on the same level, thinking the same. And I know we're going to just keep gelling as time goes on. All right, Trey, hey, listen, man, thanks so much for taking the time. Uh, enjoy your little girl and uh, keep playing the way you're playing, and uh, we're excited to watch you. Thanks for, uh, thanks for joining us, buddy. Yes, sir. Thank you. Sorry about the noise a little bit in the back. Oh, oh no, no, no. That was good. Loved it. <laughs> hey, we, she, we she all can, got kids can, here, hey, Trey. We all got kids here. She can be here. a part of the show anytime. <laughs> yeah, exactly. All right, thanks, Trey. <laughs> Take <laughs> care. There he goes, Trey Flowers. Uh, man, he, he has been such a uh, – 
you forget that he was a conversion guy. That's you know? a hard move, guys. Yeah, well, I mean, you would know better than anybody going from safety to corner. I mean, it was just in our day, Paul, I mean, nobody did that. Like, now they're taking defensive linemen, making them offensive linemen. And, you know, and then look at, like, Justin Britt. He goes from tackle to guard to center. That was unheard of. Uh, I, I remember Bruce Matthews. He was a pro bowler. That's how good of a football player he was. He uh, played for the, the the Houston Oilers, and he was a pro bowler at tackle, guard, and, and center. But that was unheard of. But, you know, to take a guy who had played safety his entire career, plus he kind of built like a safety, although Pete loves the long, you know, long arms, long legs as far as playing cornerback. So it changes but, geometry of the throw, guys. It, it absolutely does. I mean, yeah. you cannot throw – you know, a, a flat uh, go route. I mean, you've got to try to drop that over a guy. You can actually trail a little bit on that. We talked about that, you know, many years ago with Richard Sherman. You know, the first guy really um, that I remember that moved from safety to corner, a guy named Dave Brown. Oh, yeah. The Seattle Seahawks. He was an All-American at Michigan at safety. And then the first one that the national group knew about was a guy named Ronnie Lott. Ronnie Lott was a safety at USC. They moved him. To corner when he was at San Francisco his rookie year. He played a few years at corner before he moved back to safety again. It, it's rare. You used to see guys who were corners move to safety. Mm-hmm. You know, maybe they didn't quite have that speed, but, you know, pretty good tacklers. It's such a hard movement. And what's so hard about it is it's not the speed necessarily. It's not that you can't match up. It's can you trust that you can jump a route. And, and that is so hard. And I'm starting to see it. And that's what we saw last week. They are tight coverage. You That third down play I was talking about, no one's going to remember it. I do. It was on the first drive. It was like a third down and six. It was right on the sideline. He made a great play. We're off the field. They call pass interference. To me, it was horse. I'll leave the rest of the word out. Mm-hmm. It was. A, I thought it was a bad call. they got to let guys play. But he's trusting jumping routes now. That is the hardest thing for a corner to do is to trust it. And you're starting to see more of that from Trey. Well, and I think that's important for him because he's gotten a couple of PIs his rookie year, and you can understand, but where he doesn't trust himself. There's been a few times where he's gotten PIs, and I'm like, you didn't, you didn't need to hold him. You were there. You were going to, and he'll just kind of hook him a little bit. And I think it's, you know, I've heard it described as, you know, you kind of panic at the end. You think, oh, I got to get this. And so you grab, grab some cloth, whatever. But, you know, I've seen two or three of his PIs where I'm like, he didn't have to do that. He's, he's got, and he'll well, get that confidence. Well, it's a fine confidence. line, Dave. I mean, remember, remember what Pete teaches, stay on the upfield shoulder. I mean, that's their big thing. You can play tight coverage. But you know, we're never in a trail position. That's not what we do. And it happens right. sometimes. But it's upfield shoulder. And, and, again, to trust the route. And that takes experience and confidence. Yeah. And he's, he's getting that. I, I love the way he plays. You, you look at this group, they will all thump you. There's not yeah. a guy, both safeties, both corners. And when you put a Amadi at nickel, you got five. And put in Blair at times, that's yeah. six guys that will knock was- you out. There was a play against, I believe, the Cleveland Browns that kind of showed me that I thought Trey was was feeling comfortable was there was a screen, and he's playing that bell technique, and he puts his foot in the ground, and then he slips the block. Just the way he slipped the block and broke down and tackled the guy, I'm like, okay, he's taking the drills to the game right now. He's looking mm-hmm. fundamentally sound. So there are little plays like that that, that he flashes to where, like, he's getting comfortable. So yeah. later on in the season, he's going to be called upon. He's going to have to make some plays for this team. So when he starts using those fundamentals and, and playing fast, it's encouraging to see him yeah. out there. And yeah, much thanks to, uh, yeah. to Trey Flowers for uh, visiting with us. Coming up next, we got the professor. John Clayton. He'll get us caught up on the rest of the NFL. That's next right here on Hawks Live. 
Hawks Live. Every Thursday from 7 to 9, live at Snoqualmie Casino on 710 ESPN Seattle. There's thousands of people here at the Snoqualmie Casino. Thanks for hosting us, uh, the good people here at the Snoqualmie Casino. I'm thinking they probably want you out there putting coins in the slots, but we're glad that you are joining us. It's Hawks Live, Dave Wyman, Paul Moyer, Michael Bumpus, and now we're joined by the Professor John Clayton. Clayton, how you doing? I'm doing great. How are you? We're doing good. And uh, what do you make of the game that's going on right now? You see Deshaun Watson throwing the ball down to, to Hopkins. And uh, what, what, what have you seen from this game? What about Deshaun Watson as a possible MVP candidate? I think he's number three. Yeah. I really like him. Now, I watched him because I went back to the Baltimore-Houston game last week in Baltimore and watched and how really Baltimore did a great job of defending him. What they called, they called it a crab rush. And what crab they did rush. with the crab rush, they had five or six guys coming in, trying to put pressure on him and keeping him in the pocket. What I think the Colts are missing on right now, because every time I'm watching him, it's a four-man rush. And so Watson can get out of the pocket, and when he gets out of the pocket, he's the best quarterback in the league outside of the pocket. It's almost like he's a faster version of Ben Roethlisberger, being able to set up, throw the ball, and get the ball deep, do whatever he needs to do. That's, I think, a mistake. So it's, it's a great football game because you have two teams that are pretty even. Jacoby Brissett's done a good job tonight. But I, th- I tell you what, I, I, I just like Watson because I look at Watson and so I can see one or two Super Bowls in him, just like with Mahomes in Kansas City. I can see two or three Super Bowls in him. Yeah, I agree. I love Deshaun Watson. John, uh, a couple big moves by the Seahawks this week. Uh, activating Ed Dixon, releasing Jamar Taylor. Um, what do you think we're going to see in the secondary, and what should we expect from Ed Dixon, do you think? Well, nothing from Ed Dixon because the report out of Carolina is that he's going to go back on the injured reserve list. So it sounds like the need is not right, and it looks like he's going to miss the whole season. And that's not good because now you're down to Jacoby. I mean, Jacob Hollister is the only tight end. You know, you got Luke Wilson coming off a hamstring injury, and then you got George Fant filling in. They, you know, they have Tyrone Swopes, who they're probably activating. But it looks to me like the Dixon thing did not turn out too well. I have no idea what happened, but whatever happened did not happen well. So that's a big setback, I think, right now for the offense. But uh, overall, on the defense, I think it was pretty predictable. And uh, it's like, I'm not going to betray you or say anything, but it's like, We've, we've watched this for the last couple of weeks, and it's like, I'll say we, I'll put it more on me. And we've seen, uh, you know, more problems in the, with a nickel cornerback than we've seen in a while. And so because of that, it was time to make a move. And so the move was made. You know, they go ahead. Ugo Amadi is now going to be the uh, inside cornerback trying to handle things. I think that's probably the good thing to try to do. Get more speed. You get more coverage. And right now, it just wasn't working with Jamar Taylor. Yeah, it really wasn't. And, you know, and, and not only, uh, you know, he's getting beat, but, I mean, there was a couple times where he was just he just couldn't close. He couldn't finish. No. You he, know? he was like three yards slow on some of the catches that were coming in. I'm, I'm talking about three yards in coverage. I mean, three yards in coverage is massive because, I mean, this is a game right now where the quarterbacks are so good in getting rid of the ball in 2.5 seconds or less. It's like if you're behind in a half second, you're not good. If you're behind in more than a second – that's not that's horrible. Hey John, I'm looking at the the Philadelphia Eagles schedule after the Seahawks. I see about four games that I think um, they can win. Is but is this a must-win game for these guys to have a, a chance to make the playoffs? 
No, no, I mean, it, it is and it isn't because, you know, you're right about that because their schedule isn't as tough as, say, the Dallas Cowboys. I mean, the Cowboys have to play New England and, and all that. And so I still think they can make it, but it's an important game because it's a home game. And if you lose a home game, particularly to a good team like Seattle, that's going to hurt you. And where it's going to hurt, now again, you know, Seattle, there's a big difference right now as far as where they are in the wild card. And, you know, Philadelphia and Dallas, whoever wins that division, the second place team is not going to win a wild card. So this is an important game for them and a vital game for them. Because, again, it's like you've got to start. I mean, you, you don't want to go 5-6 into your final five games of the season and think you're going to be a playoff team, particularly, you know, if Dallas with Dak Prescott being the number one offense is right now, you know, potentially in a position to maybe win. I don't know how they're going to do against New England. But, uh, no, important game for Philly. Yeah, I mean, it's just a, you look at what their stats and everything. They do everything okay. And it, and it makes sense because they're 5-5. Five and five. You know, yeah, I, I I think they're actually probably a little better. I mean, look, you, they lose to New England. They, you know, we we're looking at uh, Dallas, uh, and they lost to three very good teams. At, most of them on the road. Hey, a weird story, John. And I don't know if weird, but you know, very concerning initially when Tyler Lockett got hurt and then fell and stayed behind in San Francisco. How's his health? And and do you expect him to play significant amount of time this coming week? I mean, everything. I I you know, he may not play the whole game. But everything seems to point to what Pete Carroll was saying, and we're, we're relying on Pete Carroll on this more because we can't see the practices. It looks as though that uh, he should be able to go. Now, maybe it's not going to be you know, 60, 65 plays. Maybe they have to spot him a little bit. But I, it looks to me like he's going to be able to go. I think for the most part, they've got to cover him on kickoff returns and punt returns. He's more important to the offense. And I was, I was looking through the uh, Pro Bowl voting. And again, this is voting by the fans. It's not the definitive things. He's he's like uh, you know seventh right now as far as the Pro Bowl voting, and six of the top guys in the top seven are all NFC guys. And you you look at Lockett. He's played at a Pro Bowl level. He's been absolutely fantastic. But there's so many good receivers in the in the NFC that you know he could be you know first, second, alternate. He's in the mix. But again, that's irrelevant. I think the fact that you know he should be able to play. I would think he would. I think he can have a significant value in this game. John, right now, with the Seahawks beating the 49ers, and I, you know, I really, I think, you know, some some calls go our way. It's it's not as close as that game ended up being, and as exciting as it was, I thought the 49ers, the the recipe to beat them is out there, and Arizona should have beat them, and they had just executed down the stretch. Who's the best team right now in the NFC? Best team, I, I, in my opinion, probably not going to be agreeable with everybody is New Orleans. I think they're the most complete team. Top five, top six defense. I think you, you can see that they have Drew Brees at quarterback. You know, they've got a great offense. I think that's the most complete team. Now, maybe they may not finish with the best record. But remember, San Francisco has the best record right now. But they've got three games coming up against eight-win teams. And that's nobody's ever done that. And this this late in the season, face three consecutive eight-win teams. They could lose two. They could lose three games, and they can open up the division right now for the Seahawks. So I'd say right now, I, I'd vote for New Orleans, even though technically, you know, they're not number one because they don't have the number one record. I'd vote for New Orleans. Hey, John, it's going to be interesting to see uh, Josh Gordon. Uh, you know, it's funny during yeah. the game. You remember this, John? I had not seen him in earlier. 
in the game. And then I went back and looked at the snap count. But all of a sudden, what was it, in the fourth quarter, he catches a slant. Like, oh, by the way, ladies and gentlemen, Josh Gordon's on the team, number 10 out there. But uh, I, I wonder uh, how much we're going to see him uh, this week. And, you know, and also we forgot about, like, Malik Turner, a uh, pretty good player. And I, this is all, you know, based on, mm-hmm. let's say, Tyler Lockett's not, not able to go. But, uh, but, yeah, as far as who, who do you think is going to be sort of a, a surprise receiver that might step up uh, this week? I, I think you hit on it. I think it could be Josh Gordon because what you're looking at now, particularly, you know, with the injury that's going to keep Ed Dixon back on the injured reserve list, you know, now that you're down to Jacob Hollister and an injured Luke Wilson at tight end, they're going to use more three tight end, I mean, three wide receiver sets than ever before. And I would have to think the way that Josh Gordon's going to go. And what's interesting is that, uh, you know, you look in New England as average as their offense has been. They've let Josh Gordon go. He had 20 catches in six games. Certainly he wasn't great, but he's good. And you saw the two third-down catches he had in this game against San Francisco. I think he can be a big factor in this game, particularly knowing that they may not be able to go as many tight ends as they would like to go. And if that's going to be the case, you know, that's going to – he's good. And um, I like him. I talked to him after the game. I like the, the sound of what he says. I like the play of what he does. I think he can be a big factor. He could be the, the, the X factor in this game. Professor, thanks for your time, and uh, enjoy the rest of your evening. We'll see you in Philadelphia. Sounds good. There he goes, the Professor John Clayton. Coming up next, we'll talk about some of these roster moves that have happened and you know what's going to happen if uh, maybe Luke Wilson not able to go, although Pete thinks he has, uh, he's Wolverine, which means he has extreme healing powers. I hope Luke he Wilson is right. Does. Yeah, I hope he's right, too. We'll talk about the, what we're going to see in the secondary, uh, some of the personnel moves, Quandre Diggs, etc. We will talk about that next here on Hawks Live. Hawks, Hawks Live. Every Thursday from 7 to 9, live at Snoqualmie Casino. Now, here's your host, Dave Wyman. Dave Wyman. Hey, it's Dave Wyman, Paul Moyer, Michael Bumpus, Hawks Live. Thank you very much. I want to thank the, the good people at Snoqualmie Casino. They take great care yes, of us. Yes, they Beautiful do. up here. Once you get past the Issaquah exit, the last Issaquah exit, what is it, eight, ten minutes? It's a nice, beautiful drive. Yeah, just uh, a great place to be. Well, guys, uh, you know, we were uh, talking to Clayton about some of the moves, one of which is Jamar Taylor getting released, of course. We talked a little bit about that. And, and again, Jamar, I mean, he's a he's a great guy. Just uh, I loved him. I thought he was a good good part of the group, but he just wasn't quite fitting in, and he just was a little bit behind, just a little bit off, and you know, in that nickel spot, you know, and I think maybe a lot of people think, well, that's pretty harsh to go from you're a starting nickel to cut. Usually you get benched and then sort of demoted, but you know, they they had a move, and it just I think shows a lot of confidence of what they think about whoever's going to replace him, which it looks like it's probably going to be Ugo Amadi. Do you agree, Paul? Is that what you've seen from him being an old defensive back coach yourself? About Ugo Amadi? Yeah. Yeah, I think he's the guy. I mean, you just listen to Pete. And, you know, he, he feels it's his, he's earned the right now. And, you know, as a rookie, you're, you're kind of just feeling it out. As coaches, am I, can he be dependable? And he's all he's done is he's made plays. Talk, talk about that really quick because we, we talk about this all the time. Why does this guy get brought up? Why is that? And I, I've always said, and you guys both can confirm this, when you're a coach, trust is a huge deal, right? I mean, and remember uh, George Dyer used to have he called the SIFCO rating on players. 
can I bleep and count on him? Can't <laughs> pronounce all of them, but you know, that, that was a big thing with him. Like, is he at practice? Is he doing the right things at practice? Is he making mistakes? Is he paying attention in meetings? I mean, there's all kinds of things that you look at that give you, because I feel like during the game, you kind of, as a coach, you run back, you run home to mama, right? You go to what it makes you most comfortable. <laughs> and if you have a, a player that, you know, you know you can count on, then, you know, even if he's not more talented than another guy, if you want that trust, right, as a coach? I'm not running back to well, You're maybe, running maybe home I to am. mama, maybe. Mama, you, home. as long as she has my uh, fried chicken and my potato salad, I'll run home anytime. But, look, it's an 11-man game on one side of the ball, right? I, so I, I just need a guy just to do his job at times. I got 10 other guys that may be playmakers. And so I look at Taylor, and, and why is he no longer on this team? Not, you know, I'm always, Dave, we talk about this all the time, hesitant to say, oh, he did it wrong. But I'm watching him inside technique. And when 70% of uh, Garoppolo's passes are inside the numbers and everything is saying they're coming inside, they're coming inside, and he wouldn't take it away. And then he held the guy or interfered with him on a, a, an interception. He, he messed up on another one. He, he just didn't make plays. There's a point where I go, I've got to get somebody in there who just does the assignment. And that's why that's so important. And, look, I made a living on that. I had a second-round pick, a second-round pick, a fourth-round pick, a fourth-round pick. They didn't make the team because I knew where to go. Mm-hmm. And, and so that's important. you got to know your limitations as much as your strengths. And Taylor just, I thought he made a lot of busts in that game, even though he might be physically as good as Amadi. But now you've got a veteran guy who, who probably isn't physically as good as Amadi. And now he's not make he's making mental and busts. He's making mistakes. Yeah. I'll go with the rookie who's making plays. Yeah. I can live with some mistakes if you make plays. But Taylor wasn't making any plays on top of making mistakes. Don't you love as a receiver beating a guy inside? I mean, it's the easiest thing. It drives me nuts. And everybody, you know, those slants across the middle, I mean, they're hard to defend. But, I mean, if you take away the inside part, it's such an easy throw for a quarterback. You take it away and make them go outside the numbers. Now, all of a sudden, they got to put air on the ball, touch. There's time for the safeties to get there. It just seems like kind of a, a no-brainer. And when you win inside... Your your money, right? Garoppolo was three for eighteen, trying to go downfield and outside the numbers. Yeah, that's why you make him go right. outside the numbers. Yeah, as a receiver, you give me the inside. I'm gonna say I'm gonna have a, a great day against you. And I like how they handle Ugo Mati. At first, I'm thinking, what are they doing? Get this guy in the game. He needs to get more reps. And I go back and I watch the first game of the year against uh, the Bengals, and Ugo's getting a lot of reps, and he's doing okay. But he's getting fooled with some formations. He's getting his, his hips turned around. You can tell the kid can play. He's breaking on the ball. He's fast. He's strong. But he's not quite doing exactly what he's supposed to do. So what do you do? You put a veteran in front of him. You're like, hey, learn from this guy. He's going to line up the right way. Most likely he'll do the right thing. The thing where Taylor got hurt was now when it's time to make the play, he didn't make the play. Now when the ball hits your hands, you got to come down with that football. And you get halfway through the season, you see Ugo Amadi balling on special teams. He's the first guy down there. He's making yeah. tackles. So he's slowly coming along. He's getting reps with the first and second team uh, uh, during practice, so they kind of they put the training wheels on. They're like, look, we're not going to force this guy into the heat of the battle right now. We're going to allow this veteran a chance, and we know that if he's not capable of doing it, now we're going to give this uh, this rookie a chance to make some plays. Yeah, and Amadi was he won the Lombardi Award 
and I think it's for it's for a player, you know, on the field play. But I mean, there's guys like Aaron Donald and Indomitian Sue that have won this award. Yeah. It's also about being a squared away individual, being a leader, and you know, uh, academic stuff and everything. And he won that, so he's a very smart guy. He's very verbal. I just think he's a rookie. You know, I mean, look, it's always surprising to me when rookies actually play and and contribute. Like DK Metcalf is just. It's just amazing to me watching him. And so, uh, you know, he's just a typical rookie. But I, I feel pretty confident with Quandre Diggs out there. He seems to be the sort of key to communication. Bradley McDougal played better. Uh, I thought, you know, the corners played better. I thought the linebackers played better. I mean, they, they were getting deep drops that were uh, causing uh, Garoppolo to put air under the ball. And that's one of the reasons why, as a linebacker, you want to get deep drops, you know, 10 to 15 yards is because, you know, we saw him completing, like Jameis Winston, completing these ropes that he's thrown down the field because he didn't have to throw over a linebacker. But when you have to throw over the linebacker, it, it puts a little bit of an arc on the ball and it gives the safeties time to get there. And, uh, and I thought Quandre Diggs just, uh, he brought a lot of that to that defense. And I feel pretty comfortable with Amadi out there, as long as you have Diggs and McDougal, uh, who were also back there kind of taking care of him a little bit. Yeah, I thought Diggs made some big hits, so did McDougal. You know, I you know expand on the the drops. I, I thought they read the the. I thought they read Jimmy G or Pretty Boys drops really well. So when he did a three step drop, we squeezed the route. So we 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 contested the short route. When he dropped back to five or was holding the ball, we adjusted and got more depth. And he really struggled to find wide receivers. The times he did not to, to beat up on Taylor too much here because. You know, sometimes you just lose confidence, and I think that's what happened to him. Um, you know, when they all of a sudden we were given these free releases inside and, and nothing underneath, that's when Jimmy hurt us a few times, but it was rare. And most of the time he had to pull the football down and allowed us to get some sacks, or he had to throw something that he really didn't want to do, and that was to extend downfield. And so passes over 10 yards. Last week when we played him, he was 3 for 18. That's his weakness. And, and, you know, just to, you know, since we're talking about 49ers here right now, all of a sudden, you know, he plays Arizona and they go, oh, Jimmy's playing great now. He had four touchdown passes. He had a two-yard pass for a touchdown. He had a four-yard pass for a touchdown. He had a five-yard pass for a touchdown. And he had a 25-yard one that they kind of blew coverage. No, he's not. They go play a really good defense. Arizona's not. Jimmy Garoppolo is going to struggle. I think they're going to have a losing record the rest of the way. Well, they've got a tough schedule, but. Great Green, defense. That's the Green one Bay. thing that that's negates part of what I say. But I think they're going to really shut their offense down. What do you think, Michael? You think you, that's that's a pretty bold move there. I'm going to write oh, that down. I, I, I think, What's the date? 11-21. It's a yeah. good. 21 is a good number. Says, Yes, it is. Your old jersey number. Yes. No, you know, I, it's funny. You get to this time of the year, and all of a sudden, all these teams that look like they're unbeatable, you see, like, okay, they can be beat. Nobody's that good in the NFL no. because the talent level is very even, evenly spread out. And to me, more than anything, it's about guys playing together. So, again, like we talked about at the top of the show, I just, I'm really excited about the defense and what we saw. One, one of the other moves that kind of went along with that is Ed Dixon. Clayton reporting that he's uh, possibly going on IR. Uh, we're not in, in, in sure about that because it has not been made official. But um, let, let's talk about what they're going to do at tight end because hopefully Luke Wilson is going to be able to, uh, you know, get through this hamstring injury. He's also got ribs. He's a tough guy. And, uh, you know, Pete always talks about how he's a, an incredible healer. 
And then you got Jacob Hollister, who had a career day against uh, against San Francisco. Yeah. And then George Fant, you know. So you got those three guys. And I don't even want to uh, – I do. I'm going to mention – do we miss Will Disley? I mean, can you imagine if he had Will Disley still in this? No, offense? I don't. I don't. I don't, I don't look behind me, Dave. I look forward. Okay, I mean, but it, he it was nice, it, and I hope next year. He's but it back. is an incredible shame that they don't have Will Disley. But they're making do like, right now. I like Hollister, and I think you yeah. know with Luke. Here, here's what I think we're going to get this guy. I think it's going to be very similar to what we did against Tampa Bay. And you know, they're 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 pretty stout against the run. They got a very good front four. I think we throw on them early. We we loosen that. Day. I mean, not to make it that simple, you know, like you hear all, on, on all the, the ESPN stuff out there. But well, it's a good comparison because they got the number four run defense. Yeah, in Philly, and, right? and, they're, and they're struggling in the secondary, and, and I think we're hot throwing the football right now. I think we're going to be very balanced, but I think it starts off us throwing the football, and then we wear it down a little bit in the fourth quarter running the, I, I the ball. I think that secondary is better than what people are giving them credit for. I think that they are – you watch them on film. Uh, they're aggressive. They're going to play man. They're going to get in your face, and they're flying around right now. They did take an L, an L to the Wingland Pages, but granted, New England doesn't have the receivers that the Seahawks do have. But you watch them, I and they're they're on top of Edelman. They're on top of Sanu. Uh, they're playing really fast. So I think they're playing confident, and that's what scares me a little bit about this team is that they're playing confident and they're desperate. They know they have to win this ball game. They're going to be at home, and I think if they look across the formation and they don't see Lockett, uh, Lockett consistently, they see a DK Metcalf, they'll take a chance on a Josh Gordon. I think if they if they make plays early, they'll start to believe and make this game a little interesting. Remember, New England's a short passing game, crossing routes, all that. You got to play that tight. We're not. We're vertical. I so Jill, that'll, that'll be fun to Jill watch. Elman ran across the field and ran the. the the route that the Hawks like to run that deep cross three or four times and caught about two of them. So I, I, I feel you, but I, I just think that All right. they deserve a little more. All right, credit. so you're saying no. I say, yeah, this would be good. Sunday would be a fun little matchup. <laughs> yeah, it's funny. I don't even know what you guys are talking about. I'm going to go with Pompous. It's just a feeling <laughs> I have on this one. Okay, Paul? Who are you? <laughs> I'm Dave Wyman. Oh, there you You're go. You're Paul Moyer. Yes. Michael Bumpus. It's Hawks Live. We're here at the Snoqualmie Casino. Coming up next, we're going to talk about three of the biggest plays from last week's game or two weeks ago. We're going to go inside the film room. That's next. Hawks Live. Every Thursday from 7 to 9, live at Snoqualmie Casino on 710 ESPN Seattle. Welcome back to Hawks Live. We're at the Snoqualmie Casino, and we're inside the film room with Coach Paul Moyer. Coach Michael Bumpus, and then me. And we're going to take uh, take you through a three of these uh, great plays from the other night. And I, I was surprised that uh, our producer, Nasa Chobi, didn't put all defensive players uh, plays in there because he's a defensive player himself. He actually put two offensive plays in here, but... Uh, pretty awesome plays. That, I mean, on the on the offensive side of the ball, I feel like they're they're kind of set. I mean, I don't want to get cocky or anything, but it doesn't matter whether I'm cocky or not. But I just think Russ is just so good now. I, I think you you can rely on him. What is he? Twenty four and two as far as touchdowns and interceptions. And but I, I thought the the real difference was the defense, and specifically, I guess if if I had to point out one area, I would go D line. And uh, this first play is Jaron Reed gets a strip sack of Jimmy Garoppolo and, and Jadavian Clowney, who has just made plays all over the place, picks it up and runs for pay dirt. Second down and six at the Seattle 37. Coleman stays in the backfield. Garoppolo takes a shotgun snap. He's missed. Now he's hit. Now he goes down. Clowney got there first, got a hand on him, forced him up in the pocket, and then Puna Ford. And Jaron Reed got there. They'll probably split that sack. Doesn't matter. It is still a, another sack going 
for the Seahawks defense. That would be the Seattle third sack on the game and a loss of five yards. And then Clowney picks it up and he scores a touchdown. Uh, we got the wrong clip there. Uh, anyway, um, this was, uh, this was uh, I thought on, on this particular play that Puna Ford made it happen. Puna Ford and Jaron Reed ran a stunt. And so it was just a, I guess it would be what, a, a TE. I mean, the outside guy, I think uh, he went first. It was, uh, it was, um, well, you know, Jaron yeah, Reed. Jaron Reed was yeah. the right tackle, and he, he, he went came, first. came into the A gap. He on came his, inside, and then, and then Puna Ford goes around to the outside. But Puna made such a fast move. And then same with Jaron Reed. He had a really good, he had a little shake. Both the center and the guard did what you can't do as an offensive lineman, turn your shoulders. That, you know, you want to pass that off, keep your shoulders square. And I thought Puna Ford especially, he was so explosive going to his right, the center's left, that he was forced to turn his shoulders. And that just opened the gate for Jaron Reed. Jaron Reed gets, squeezes through there and gets his big old paw on the football. And it comes out and Clowney, always the Johnny on the spot, picks it up and, and runs it in. Yeah, I, the thing about that one to me, and that's, this is game planning, right? So the center, if the center gets depth, that's, that's a harder stunt because he would been able to pass that off and jaron reed gets he comes into the a gap and because the center doesn't get depth he gets past the center's shoulders right and so now it, the stunts it, the stunt works i mean one either reed or ford's going to come free there's no way at that point that they can stop it but here's why that play works as well and maybe two weeks ago it didn't we stopped their primary short route they ran a. They, they had a stack position. Their outside receiver came in and ran a turn route. Uh, KJ Wright jumped it. He's in between that guy, that turn route, and Garoppolo. So Garoppolo, right. he has nowhere to throw it. This is a perfect stunt. But if that ball gets thrown, there's no sack. There's yeah. nothing, and, and everybody goes, "Oh, we don't get any pressure on the quarterback." Right. But we do. And on top of that, Diggs also takes away the deep in route. Now we've had some people in that position have not taken that dig route away. And that thing all of a sudden pops up. So why does this play work? It's a great fundamental stunt. It's a great job of taking away their primary and secondary route. And now Garoppolo, he has to try and avoid. And, you know, you got Clowney does what he does best. And that's hustle and gets a strip sack. Yeah, what I like about this is on that on that defensive line front, it's always a four on five. So that means three guys are most likely to be manned up and the, the other guy's going to be double teamed. And everyone does their job. The Puna and Reed stunt works. And then Clowney doesn't just bull rush like he's been doing all year. He kind of sets them up. Nice little swim move. So the one-on-one matchups win. The guy who's taking on the double team does his job. So everyone does their job. You occupy two right there. You win your one-on-one battles right there. And you put pressure on Jimmy G. I mean, uh, that was his continuity right there everyone doing exactly what they're supposed to do uh, next play russell wilson finds jacob hollister who had a career night i think seven or eight catches uh touchdown and this was a touchdown where he kind of got lost in the shuffle makes a beautiful catch so here we go first and goal for russ and company play fake he's gonna half roll right side still looking throws back inside ball is tipped up is it caught it is it's caught in the back of the end zone by hollister touchdown seahawks Jacob Hollister reaches up with one hand as he's falling backwards. And Russ lays a little dime over the top for Hollister to catch. And the Seahawks have taken the lead 13-10. to 10. Hollister lined up as an in-line, classic tight end position, and uh, he blocked. And so a lot of times that's uh, it's tough. Those guys get lost in the defense. But actually, San Francisco, they 
picked it up. I mean, There's the linebacker, open. linebacker was all over him, and so Russ just kind of throws that little, as Rabel said, teardrop, and it was a one-handed catch by Hollister. That guy has just been, uh, what a great surprise Jacob Hollister's been. Yeah, Hollister's been awesome, and, and what I see on this play is they show, like, that stretch look, and I watched uh, something on Peyton Manning the other day and, and how much he worked on his mesh in the backfield, showing the ball, hiding the football, so I don't want to discount Russell Wilson and his ball handling skills there, but it's all about the flow of this play. Everything in this play says our reflection, and everything is flowing right, so now all Hollister has to do is this find some space where the linebacker jacks up is he's got to play him from behind me. He can't play that guy from front. It's like kind of deny the post by standing in front of him. You kind of got to split him in half and get behind him a bit. And after that, it's all just a trust throw. Uh, Russell Wilson sees space. He sees that Hollister has the has the defender beat with his back towards, to, towards him and just tosses it up, and the rest is all 48. Uh, I, okay, so first of all, San Francisco holds four of our wide receivers. Four. Not one of them is called, and that's fine. I'm watching this, you guys, from the end zone. For the life of me, I can't understand why. I don't even know what Russell sees here. He's looking away from Hollister. And then he throws this little flip with his wrist in the perfect spot. I, you got, it, it is the difficulty of this throw and what he sees is I can't even describe it. And this is, you know, for everybody out there listening, everybody here, Enjoy what we have. This guy is the best in the business. He does things nobody in the NFL has done in history. He's that good. You know what? I was uh, this week going, Russell needs a hype man. You know how uh, Lamar Jackson had uh, uh, Mark Ingram yeah. given the hype? Paul, you I might be it. that guy. I you might be the hype man for Russell for MVP. It's crazy the stuff yeah. he's done. Yeah, it really is. Uh, the, the last one, Malik Turner, guy we don't talk about. We had him on this show at, at one point, and really a nice kid, one of the receivers you kind of forget about. But this is a huge catch, and he had some great moves here, kind of video game moves here. Third and 16 in overtime, and Russell finds Malik Turner on a big-time play. Empty backfield, four-man rush. Russ. Going to try to run around the right side. Does. Find some room. Now he throws. Got Ner Turner makes the catch. Spins out of a tackle. Down to the 35-yard line, the 33-yard line. How did Malik Turner do that? Made the catch. Spun out of a tackle. Picked up positive yards. A first down and then some. A 20-plus yard gain. As they spot the ball, we'll actually see how far it was. 29 yards and a first down at the San Francisco 32. Well, I have 23 down here. Maybe Rage got a little bit excited there, but wow, that was a that was a great play. What did you say? It was math the... has never been a strong. Point, but... <laughs> hey, on-air math is very difficult. Yes, I'll, I'll say that. But uh, who would you say it was like a uh, video game move? Like hit the B button? Oh, that was that like was that? Our, that was our producer NASA Chubby. Oh, he said, "Hey, hit that. that hit that spin move on him." This is an example of guys knowing where everyone is because right here, Hollister's in the flat, and as Russell Wilson is rolling his way, some, rea some guy's reaction would be able to snap it upfield and take that space. But I feel like he knows that, okay, this is scramble drill. We've, we've done this before. That intermediate route ran by Malik Turner. He he'll probably occupy that space. And then that Z receiver to the sideline, instead of coming back, he just goes deep. So it just shows that everyone knows where they're supposed to be, and then Russell makes a, a great catch, and Malik shows his age and says, I'm a young man, I'm going to get this yak. Another great throw. I wish uh, Russell had a look downfield because David Moore was 10 yards past Richard Sherman for an easy touchdown. Uh, I was going to tell you to hype him up again, and now you're saying he missed a wide open. No, he made a, I said he made a great throw, but if he had a look downfield, he can't do everything. 
All right. I mean, he's, he's walking on uh, grass, not water. That, that has got to be tough for a quarterback when you get in film and go, oh, my God, that guy was wide open. You didn't see it because it's hard to see everything and you're being chased and everything. But uh, Russ is doing a great job. Well, coming up next, uh, we're going to have Shaquem Griffin, who uh, is going to play Fortnite. Anybody ever play Fortnite? You guys know what this is about? Um, I know what it is. My son plays it. Uh, yeah, your son plays it. Yeah, so we're our own Taylor Jacobs. He's going to sit down with Seahawks linebacker Shaquem Griffin. They're going to have a little chat and play some Fortnite. That's next right here on Hawks Live. Hawks Live. Every Thursday from 7 to 9, live at Snoqualmie Casino on 710 ESPN Seattle. Live gaming, Shaquem Griffin gonna play a little Fortnite. Pressure's on though, cause people hyping up his game. Oh so man, we gotta see what he's really <laughs> like on the sticks. Gonna play a little Fortnite and uh, talk some football and talk some life on and off the field. So we'll just jump right into it. We'll start queuing up. You're getting a lot more reps on the defensive side. How do you stay ready for those moments when your name gets called and you have to step up in those types of situations? Um, I think for me, it's not let the moment be too big. Um, it's just staying poised, just staying under control with everything, and then when you let me get called, just do what you've been doing. I just, you know, playing ball. And I think that's something that I learned throughout me being here so far, just becoming from a rookie through my second year, it's just, you know what, don't overthink things. You know, mm-hmm. at the end of the day, it's all playing ball. You know, you made tackles, you rush people, you know, you go into battles every day. It's, it's nothing different. So it's just all about being poised, and every single week, I just make sure I just focus on certain things that, you know, I'm weak at and certain things I'm strong at so I can make sure I can get better for the, the next game. And I think just getting out there last game was just, a, you know, for me to get my feet wet and actually, you know, get a feel for everything and actually kind of, you know, feel myself a little bit. Yeah. And, you know, once I got that feeling now, it's just like the energy was so contagious out there. It was like it, it felt different. You know, that's something that we, you know, we hyping on just to, to keep. I mean, once you feel that energy like that, you don't want to lose it. So my whole thing, if there's anything I can do to be able to keep a contagious energy like we had uh, versus San Fran, I mean, yeah. we're going to have a, a great second half. And your teammates talking about you and the effort you're putting in, too, specifically Bobby Wagner giving you a shout-out on, on what you've been doing on the field and what you've been doing on the practice field. So what's it, what, you've been, what have you been learning from guys like Bobby and KJ and some of those sort of quote-unquote upperclassmen, if you will, here at, in Seattle? I mean, with guys like Bobby and KJ and, and Mike, they, you know, they always keep me, you know, head over heels when it comes to, you know, being prepared and having a routine. And I think that's something that, you know, a lot of guys have to learn throughout the years. And, you know, I remember even Bobby said, say it took him a while to learn how to, to, to create a, a routine throughout his years. But, you know, that's why I'm, I'm blessed to have vets like that that teach me the way. You know, instead of me having to, to, find, to find out the hard way like them, yep. you know, they just teach me, like, I did this and I did that. And, and me knowing the state of my routine, I know exactly what's going to happen every single time. So, you know, I made sure I take in all the advice from them. And it just makes sure I just kept doing everything and the same thing I practice. I'm working this move. I'm working that move. I'm going to keep doing the same routine. I'm going to keep the same intensity every single time because once I know I'm off of it, mm-hmm. that means I'm doing something wrong. So that was like the key thing for me is just, you know, keep a steady routine and, and just keep working my craft every week. I love it. Now, you also play with your brother, which is really unique, and we had him on here uh, about a month ago, too. We played some Fortnite. We did pretty well as well. So we're hoping to do better than your brother because I know you probably have some brother, some sibling rivalry going on. So oh, for sure, all the time. 
You guys did your media tour this past year and asked your brother this question, and I'm sure everyone asked you your favorite part about playing with your brother. So I want to know what's the toughest part about playing with your brother? The toughest part about playing with my brother on the field? Yeah, or off the field. Does he, you know, does he give you a hard time, you know, in the locker rooms or something like that? Um, I won't say give a hard time. <laughs> But it, it can be times where, you know, obviously you can always bump heads with anybody. And then there's always a different bump heads when, you know, you're going to bump your head with, with your brother and stuff. And, you know, I think one thing that we do a really good job is, is uh, we take great criticism from each other. Mm. And, you know, shout out to my dad for that because he was always saying, I'm going to be your biggest critic and your biggest fan. And me and my brother kind of took that in consideration and ran with it because, it's like, my brother knows, like, I'm, I'm going to be the biggest fan no matter what. Like, I'm going to know more about you than you know about yourself. And it's vice versa. But so when it comes to criticism, you know, he, he does well with taking it and also dishing it out, too. I love that. Yeah, so he does an amazing job with it. Yeah, and your brother talked about your dad and the influence your dad had as both sort of a coach and a father figure as both. So right. I love that, that sort of dual experience you got from him as he pushed you on the football field and, you know, off the field, too. It's always a constant battle. It's always a constant push. And it's always, you know, a thing to, to help each other grow. Yep. You know, it's, it's, it's never, you know, bad feelings and stuff. But it can get annoying, especially. I mean, I had times when I was tired and my brother was like, you got to do this and do that. And I'm yeah. like, man, just get out my face. But then I know it's for, it's for the betterment for me, him, and everybody yeah. around us. So, you know, you, you, learn how to, you learn how to take that and then keep it going. Love that. So... Tell me about playing on this defense second year. What is the difference between this unit that you're playing with this year versus last year? What are some of the key differences, you would say? Uh, right now, I think the camaraderie is it's a little different. Uh, I think the things that we're doing outside of the building, it what creates a better chemistry between us. Um, just for example, uh, you know, my brother uh, holds a DB meeting. Oh, God. You know, every week at home, all the DBs come through. You know, we have food and stuff. And everybody just come in and just hang out. Oh, man. Oh, let me see him. Whole team. Oh, wow. That's what I mean. I was talking. Up on us. We, were we, talking. we were talking. So we, were we were distracted. We were distracted. Yeah. <laughs> but, yeah, I mean, um, you know, LBs, we, we plan trips. We hang out. The DB plan trips, hang out. They come to the house. They watch film every Tuesday, you know, and just to eat and just watch film. So I just think there's certain things that we do now that we didn't do last year that, that, that kind of creates a better bond. And, you know, when them guys out there and they talking to each other, even when somebody's going through something, instead of saying, hey, man, uh, you tripping, like, you need to tighten up. It's just like they encourage them to, to do better and encourage them to say, like, you know what, I got your back no matter what. Like, if you feel like you finna, you finna do this, I got you over top. And it, it just serves like that when you know that you got somebody who's willing to even though you finna take a chance right now to try to get the ball, yeah. I got your back. Don't worry about nothing. And that's the kind of thing that you, you need on the defense. And when the guys like that playing around each other with, with that, it's, it's an amazing thing to see because it's like it's no worries. Yeah, Even trust. though I mess up, I know I got a guy behind me that's going to fix everything for me. So it's just it, you just feel better out there. You feel more comfortable. You feel like you can trust everybody around You're free, you. free, right? You can play with that Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Oh, that's awesome. Um, all right, now we'll get into some more of the fun stuff. We talked about on the field, but off the field, we know you're playing Fortnite. Are there any other shows or movies? What do you like to do when you're at home, just relaxing, not playing Fortnite for seven hours with the boys? Uh, man, I just like to, I like to do see sceneries and stuff, go to different areas. I like to go bowling. I like to go go-karting. Um, 
You're all over. Yeah, I just like to. I don't like being bored, man. I just like to just to stay out. active, man. Yeah. And you know, eventually it's gonna be a time where I'm not gonna want to move at all. So, right. <laughs> you know, I'm gonna get it while I'm young. I mean, yeah. I got a lot of energy and stuff. So I just like to, you know, get out and just move around. Man, I love movies. I go to movies every week. I'm actually going today. What are you gonna go see? I have no idea. I mean, we just pull up and we just what movie we haven't seen yet. Like, it's a lot of movies that we've seen. What was the best movie you've seen recently? Mm, the best movie I've seen recently. Yeah. Um, nah, Endgame is too far away. Let's say it got to be The Last John Wick. Or, yes. I don't know, man. I, I had watched, what, what was the movie? Um, Aladdin. Oh, Will yeah, Smith. The remake. Or what's the last movie he just came out with with, with the uh, with the double ganger he had? Oh, the uh, Gemini uh, Man. Gemini Man was yeah. was so dope. And the only reason I say that because it takes a lot for you to be able to play yourself twice, twice. in a movie. Right. And interact with yourself. And interact twice. with yourself twice. Right. And then sound younger and sound older. Like that's right. all him. <laughs> that's all him. Right. No, well, you know. I grew up in the 90s, Fresh Prince, just mm. that's, you came home from school and that's what you were throwing on the television. You just, you had to see what Will Smith was doing, so. Um, but John Wick, we were talking earlier this season and we were getting in, into it with Leno. He's a big John Wick fan. Yeah. So we were trying to campaign for him to get into the next John Wick movie. So first off, would you want to be in a John Wick movie? Definitely. And how would you want to fight John Wick in that movie? Because you got to fight him, <laughs> and you're going to lose. Yeah, definitely going to lose. But how are you? How do you want to lose? I guess to John Wick in a fight. Leno said he wants to fight him in a helicopter, aerial battle. I was just thinking somewhere in the air, but Ooh, you know, okay. Like it. Um, Maybe an airplane. Um. Something more unique, something yeah. more unique. I don't know, maybe on a roller coaster or something. Ooh. The roller coaster broken. We just we, we just going hand for hand, and you know, I think that'd be something kind of interesting. Like, why are they fighting the roller coaster? That's the whole storyline itself. Yeah, you you said you like to go kart, so you're already at the amusement. I'm already at them. Exactly. You're there, man. You're halfway. What's the odds of that? Yeah. You know? That's going to do it for our interview, but I think we'll get on the sticks at some point in the future. That was a lot of fun. So, yeah. Shaquem Griffin, you know him on the field. You love him off the field. He's the man. He's the man on Fortnite, too. We'll catch you soon. All right. Thanks, Taylor and Shaquem. Uh, two of the nicest guys in the world going at it in video games right there. Shaquille Griffin, I thought he was maybe the nicest guy on the team, and then his brother sat down with us last week, and he said, no, no. I'm the, I'm the nicest guy on the team. <laughs> and it's, it's a tie, those two guys. All right, coming up next, uh, we're going to wrap it up, give us our final thoughts, maybe a prediction how we expect this game to go. Paul Moyer, Michael Bumpus, and myself. We'll do that next on Hawks Live. Hawks Live, every Thursday from 7 to 9, live at Snoqualmie Casino on 710 ESPN Seattle. It's Dave Wyman, Paul Moyer, Michael Bumpus. Up here at the Snoqualmie Casino. I want to thank the people up here. They always treat us great up here at the Snoqualmie Casino. It's not that far away. You get past the Issaquah exit, the last one, what, 10 minutes? Come yeah, on no, here. It's, it's beautiful good. out yeah, here. Yeah, it's, it's, it's an easy drive. Guys, how are we feeling about this game? You know, <laughs> Graz on the huddle used to always, his last question was always, what kind of game are you expecting? You know, you'd either ask me or the opponent. And, you know, I was thinking about that today because I expect the Seahawks to win this game. And, you know, usually it's like, and I'm, it's not like I'm disrespecting the NFL or anything, but I just feel like they turned a really important corner, and mostly it's on defense. And if they can get anywhere near that kind of performance, 
I just I trust the offense at this point. I don't think that there's ever going to be any kind of a serious power outage on offense. But I do. I was worried about the defense the first half, and then when I saw that, you think that's a performance that they can bottle up and carry forward with them? I think they have to. If they want to go for a run and do this, they have to make it a Philly game, right? You think of Philly, you think of all the boxers that come out of Philly, right? And they're rough and tough and strong. Just, they have to make it that type of game on defense from the start, especially because the receiving core in Philly is struggling. Um, they're not making plays. You look on paper, they, hurt, look, right? they look like um, a good receiving core. Um, Wentz isn't making the greatest decisions. I heard Tony Romo getting on him about not taking the check down and always going for the deep ball. So um, I'm with you, Dave, offensively. I think they're okay defensively. They have to show that aggressiveness that they, aggressiveness that they showed on Monday night. But they also got to mix it up, too. You know, you can't just be go get them, go get them every single down. So I think they have the ability to mix it up now. But I'd be extremely disappointed if I didn't just see the fire and the, the, the toughness that we saw on Monday night against the Niners. Yeah, I, I think we're there. I mean, I think Diggs brings another element. I think uh, Amadi's going to bring another element in that nickel package. Um, I feel good defensively, but it's one game. We, we got to see the, the thing for Philadelphia is they're struggling offensively, uh, particularly just they lack explosiveness. They're not supposed to have Jeffries out there. I was looking at Aguilar; he's averaging under nine yards per catch. Um, you go and look at Wentz; he's averaging six point six three, six point six yards per pass. You know, Russell Wilson's eight point three or four. It just there's no explosiveness in their offense. But they got some players on defense, and you were on the road. And if we don't play the game that we normally play, and that is protect the football, um, which I think we do. I mean, we're going to. I think it's a game we should win. Now, you know, take me back, you know, two weeks ago. I didn't think we were going to beat San Francisco. I really didn't. You know, I was shocked how well we played defensively and what we did offensively against them, which just means you just can never underestimate the Seahawks. They're so good. But this is this is a critical game, you guys. If they want to accomplish winning the division, and it's for the taking. I think San Francisco, not necessarily going to struggle, but they're so beatable against good teams. I think they're very one-dimensional offensively. Um, you know, you got to take your you know shots defensively. They're, they're good there. But their schedule's tough. I think our schedule lays out nicely because Carolina's not playing as well. We know the Rams aren't playing as well. Philadelphia's not playing as well. You got Arizona, who is, but it should be a beatable game. Then it comes down to the end of the season. How about that? San Francisco. Last game, Niners. So I, I know this would be nuts. It would be nuts if we were 13-2. and two. Yeah, at going, the, into that. going into San Francisco. That means we got to run the table. Minnesota's going to be a very tough game at home. Yeah. But all of those games, I think we're favored. They're, I think we're favored the rest of the year. Isn't it amazing how easy, not easy, but how winnable the schedule looks once you beat San Francisco? Yeah. Because first year you're going down the stretch, and same thing for like San Francisco now. Now all of a sudden you look at them and go, they got to play Green Bay at home. They got to go to New Orleans. They got to go to Baltimore. So yeah, it'll be interesting. I'd love it if it played out that way. Can you imagine they're both oh my thirteen goodness. and two going into that game? Oh man, that would be that would be big time. And here's the other thing: we're not a great team. We can play great, but we've got to play you know sound football offensively. We got to take our shots still defensively. Um, we can beat anybody, and we you already know we we at times play to our competition. Our competition's pretty stiff the rest of the way. So yeah. it's a great test. It'll definitely get them playoff ready by the time the end of the year. So you expect them to win? 
Yes, I expect them to win. I expect it to be the typical Seahawk game. I think it's not going to be a blowout. It's not going to be a 14 um, score win. I think it's going to be single digit win. It's going to be a grinder. Russell Wilson is going to do what he does. He's going to throw for two touchdowns, not going to turn over the ball. Chris Carson is going to uh, pass the century mark. Um, but what I'd like to see are just two turnovers on defense. I need one by the secondary. I need something to happen in that linebacker core. We're still waiting for those LBs to make that one play to say, wow, the defensive line performed last game. The secondary did a, did a good job as well. Now we need those linebackers to show up. And they've always been solid. They played solid football sure. all year. Yeah. But now just that one play that kind of lets the league know that, all right, we're complete now. The offense is good. Every level on the defense is ready to go. Think about it. Bobby Wagner has not had that game. Yet, has he? Nope. He's got lots of tackles. I think health is an issue. I think this buy's good. You know, we, we talked about Russell Wilson struggling to run. He, they showed a little hamstring uh, on the injury report, even though he didn't miss any time. So I think we'll get healthy with this buy. I, I, I want to remind everybody, Philadelphia is two years removed from being Super Bowl champions. Yep. This is still a very talented team. Well coached. And very well coached. It's, it, it's going to be like most games, come down the fourth quarter, Russell Wilson making a play at the end. Yep. All right, guys, thanks. Thank you. Appreciate it. It was yep, a fun show. Fun. Really, Absolutely. again, want to thank Snoqualmie Casino, the Professor John Clayton, Trey Flowers, Shaquem Griffin, mm -hmm. our own Taylor Jacobs, and special thanks to our engineer, Brenna Hutchison, and on the board, Brian Schoening, and, of course, our executive producer, Nasa Chobie. For Paul Moyer, Michael Bumpus, and I'm Dave Wyman. Thanks for joining us here on Hawks Live. We'll talk to you next week. Hawks Live, every Thursday from 7 to 9, live at Snoqualmie Casino on 710 ESPN Seattle. All new this year, a Seahawks player every week will sit down for an interview while playing their favorite video game. Watch the interview on our Twitch channel, youtube.com slash mynorthwest and 710sports.com.